E with Rebecca Davis. Afternoon, Rebecca. Thank you very much for coming in a day early, given the fact that you've got something else to do tomorrow. Yes, no problem at all, John. I couldn't, couldn't miss you. <laughs> Could I? I'm so large these days, it's impossible to, to miss That me. was oddly phrased, I agree. Yes. Uh, the public protector has confirmed that she is not opposing the application on Monday for an urgent interdict to prevent her... Um, <coughs> findings around Sula Ramaphosa and Basasa and the 500,000 rand donation. And she says, you know, there's no inconsistency here. She's not stepping backwards and, and so on. But anyway, um, there, there it is. So that is an unopposed interdict. And? Well, let's talk about these damn emails, John. These CR17 emails, which have been circulating and were reported on by News24 last weekend and which appear to show communications from within the Cyril Ramaphosa's campaign to become the ANC president in 2017. And importantly, the presidency has not disputed the authenticity of the emails. In fact, the president's spokesperson, Kusela, said that they were concerned about how somebody had gotten access to the head of state's communications, which suggests, if anything, that they are convinced that they are authentic. So those emails seem to be legit. So what do they tell us? Well, they tell us that Cyril Ramaphosa appears to have been very much involved in fundraising for his own campaign. You look... Yeah, I, I'm, I've been thinking about it a lot since uh, I read, I think, on Sunday on News24. They're, they're saying, right, this is, this is why we're doing it and this is what they say. Because I, 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 I know that I'm guilty of wanting a particular outcome here. It's not that I have enormous admiration for Sul Ramaphosa or great belief that he is the man to lead us out of the wilderness into the promised land. But of the available options, he is by far the best. So I want him to continue to be able to to be the best of the to be the the lesser of two evils. And I think there's a lot of us who are falling prey to that at the moment. Yeah, I mean, how. How much do those emails suggest that he was intimately involved? It seemed to suggest that there were a couple of, um, well, why don't you try? No indication that, oh, uh, it's terrific that person X has donated 4 million rand. Please write a note or I'll write a note saying thank you for the money that you've given. It seemed to be, well, try, try A, try B, try C and stopping there. So to what extent is that, is that contradictory? to what he said in Parliament and at that news conference that I had nothing to do or very little to do with. So let's go back. Okay. Let me just recap this very quickly and simplistically for your readers who may have lost track because it is a long and tedious saga. So Bosasa, the company, is found to be, you know, state capture supremos. They're giving money to ministers and they're getting lucrative tenders. This all comes out at the Zondo Commission into state capture. Just after this, it also comes out that Bosasa and, and its founder Gavin Watson have made a donation of, uh, or have made a payment of 500,000 rand into an account linked to the Ramaphosa campaign. Ramaphosa's son Andile has previously done some consulting work for Bosasa. So when he is questioned on this in parliament by the DA leader, Ramaphosa says, this money was paid to my son Andile. It's got nothing to do with me. And that's that. Ramaphosa gets home or rather back to Tainhais, and one of his advisors says to him, Mr. President, I'm sorry, we've made a big mistake. That payment was not to Andila. We've been through the finances more closely, and that payment was actually made by Bosasa to your election campaign when you were running to be ANC president. Obviously, this is 
not good. It's a mess. At, at best, it makes Ramaphosa look disorganized. And at worst, it's suspicious. He's now going to yeah. give two different explanations. But Ramaphosa does the only thing he can do, which is he writes to the speaker. He says, I got it wrong. This donation was actually made by Bustasa to my campaign. And he makes a media statement at the time, putting it out in the public, saying, sorry, got it wrong. The public protector then goes on to investigate this payment. And in the course of that, she speaks to Sora Ramaphosa and she speaks to Sora Ramaphosa's staff, his campaign managers, and they also submit to her written affidavits under oath. And in those submissions, they say, and John, I've been back and read what they said, and they make an absolute meal of it. They say, it was a principal decision we took that Sora Ramaphosa had nothing to do with fundraising. He was kept completely in the dark about everything to do with fundraising. And we didn't have to go that far, but we did because, you know, we want to draw a real land line in the sand when yeah. it comes to corruption. They didn't have to say this. There's nothing illegal about Sora Ramaphosa being involved in his own fundraising. Nothing at all. And I think that's also something that needs to be cleared up because I've seen some confusion about that. However, they were saying it's our principled stance. We didn't want him to have anything to do with it. Now these emails have been released and they show that at the very least, Sora Ramaphosa was made aware at various stages of what was going on in fundraising, was uh, being made aware of who was being approached and was moving money himself in and out of his fundraising campaign. So, Which he has acknowledged before. I mean, he has said that he... He donated right. thirty odd million and and made yes. a loan of several million rand to that his aspect own campaign. is perhaps the least interesting. Yeah. But he is there, CC or not CC. These emails are to him saying, "Why don't you call this guy, ask for twenty million, and so forth?" So here we have a problem that Ramaphosa has said under oath that he had no involvement with fundraising for his campaign. Now it doesn't matter, John, that the public protector is the public protector that she is a deeply I don't know, that she's an individual who's effectively not fit for purpose or that Sora Ramaphosa is the person we want him to be. The point is what we may very well have here is a sitting president who has lied under oath and committed a criminal offense, which is, you know, punishable via fine or imprisonment. And what do we do with that? And are we guilty of underplaying it, including us in the media, because of this very thing that it's Cyril Ramaphosa we want so desperately for this to be a new era. And because in the general scheme of things, maybe this isn't that important. But I wonder if we would apply the same lens to his predecessor. And I, I worry about it. Yeah, no, we wouldn't. If, uh, unless his predecessor was a better option than somebody else who's on the horizon, right. then we might. I, and I think it's entirely reasonable to accuse us generally, and me specifically, of being a little bit rosy-tinted glasses when it comes to Cyril. I mean, it, Put, put like that, your belief that it is possible to make a substantive case that he lied under oath, then that, that is significantly different from fudging a thing or two. Right, it is. And, it's and also- I've, I've had the view that at worst he's fudged a thing or two. But you're putting on the table your almost conviction that he went a lot further than a little bit of fudging and told a lie, Knowingly outright lie under oath. And I should add, this is not an opinion shared. I spoke to Pierre de Foss about this earlier, and he thinks he, he, uh, he leans to the same interpretation as you, that there was more of a fudging. I'm writing about this today, John. It will be on Daily Maverick tomorrow, where I hope to articulate these thoughts more clearly. But I think at the very least, there is more food for thought than perhaps we have been allowing in this instance. Well, you've certainly given me plenty of food for thought. I'm going to have to re-examine my position on, uh, on this on the basis of, of what you um, have told me. Until about two, three hours ago, I had no idea, Rebecca, that something called the Mile Cry Club 
existed. So the Mile Cry Club is not the experience of having very dissatisfying coitus in midair and then regretting your choices. The Mile Cry Club is a common phenomenon which occurs when you are on a long-haul flight and you watch a movie and you inexplicably begin to cry. You're watching a movie which perhaps is not very sad at all, which under normal circumstances would not even cause you to squeeze the tiniest bit of moisture out of your eye. But somehow there's something about being in that cabin that makes you cry. You've never experienced this, John. No. I, I, for a start, I, mean, I cry at movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I haven't watched a movie for such a long time, I'm not sure if it's true any longer. But I never watch movies on, on, on planes. I never have. Um, at most, I listen to the music. But, you know, the, the music channel that, that they provide in the in-flight entertainment center. I see. But I never, ever, ever watch movies on and never have. God, no. Right. Well, those of us who are <laughs> less highbrow mortals. It's not about highbrow. Often engaged it's not about in, highbrow at all, Rebecca. Right. It's a personal choice. I have experiences. I was trying desperately to think of a concrete example and I couldn't dredge one up. But this has definitely happened to me, being very emotional. And it turns out that many people experience it and there is a real cause for it, which is, unsurprisingly, I suppose, that it is a consequence of the air pressure, that the low air pressure in airplane cabins reduces the available oxygen in our blood, which affects our decisions and also leads to erratic emotions, which is also why people behave very badly on planes a lot of the time. But interestingly, there's another aspect of this, which is the strange drinks that people order on plane. And this is definitely something I've experienced. On a plane, I suddenly always crave tomato juice. Disgusting drink. Nicholas, never order Nicholas nodding as well. It's a as thing. A, I've never had tomato juice on a plane. I've never felt prompted. I've never felt urged there's, to have a tomato juice on a plane. You sit but, in a plane and suddenly But apparently it it's, it's real. This is tomato, a thing. Tomato juice and ginger ale, apparently. Hugely common. People very rarely order them anywhere else. And this is because high noise levels, apparently, lower our ability to taste sweet things. So we're drawn to different flavors like umami, like savory flavors, which would explain the sudden popularity of the objectively quite disgusting tomato juice <laughs> in midair. There you have it, John. We lose all rational thought and decision-making. On an aeroplane. Um, somebody, um, Nicola asks, why not? Why don't I watch? Uh, George, will you get the, the voice note ready before we move on to Rebecca's final topic? Uh, Nicola asks, why don't I watch movies? Well, I've, I've kind of stopped watching movies generally, and I'm not entirely sure why that is. But the reason I've never watched movies on an aeroplane, even when I was watching movies... Um, outside of an aeroplane is because the screens are so small. I, I just can't bear to see a movie which has been made for a big screen on such a small screen. We have a voice note about the Mile Cry Club. On the matter of the Mile Cry Club, I bawled my eyes out at the Avengers Endgame mm. when mm. at the end I, 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 I just I was overtaken by emotion and I was sitting and sobbing at the end. How could that happen? And it's an action flick. Mm. <laughs> Angelo, thank you. Bye. See, classic example. Angelo there sounds like a very robust, you know, individual who isn't given to great displays of emotions. And there he is, bawling like a baby at Avengers Endgame. The Mile Cry Club, something new added to my store of knowledge. And the thing, one of the stories that has puzzled me the most today, um, Rebecca, was um, a little video which was available, which I saw via News24. And it's an ex-girlfriend of Connor Betts. And Connor Betts is the young man who shot dead eight people and was then killed by police in Dayton, Ohio, mm. recently. Mm. And she 
talks about the fact that you know he was he was often given to exploring the idea of people being hurt and then she says that on their first date mm. he showed her a video of the synagogue shooting which happened in California in April of this year and i thought wow. first date they, after that, there was a second date. That is, that's bizarre. That's an extraordinary choice. Bold. <laughs> and also, what a red flag. I mean, get out of there, girl. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that is not among the options that were delineated by a recent poll identifying the worst first date behavior. I should add that people were obviously given a very limited range of things to choose from, John. So showing somebody synagogue shootings is not among them. Neither was presumably, I don't know, clipping your toenails at the table. There's obviously many, many worse things than this that you can do. But overwhelmingly, people have said the worst thing you can do on a first date is talk with your mouth full. That just—I don't know that it's the worst, but it's a pretty bad thing. It is pretty bad, and something that I am myself no stranger to, and I get animated in conversation. But also, it's only slightly pipped out the second most grievous sin, which is engaging with your phone, texting other people, or in fact taking photos of your meals. That is thought to be a real no-no on a first date, even if it is in fact your practice. But on an upbeat note, John, the best thing you can do on a first date, again, presumably from within a very small list of options is to share your food. Dates on which people share their food have been shown more often than not to result in a second date. And possibly a third, and who knows what happens after that. Rebecca, thank you very much indeed.